Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing Podcast, Day 5, Rooster Road Trip in the Rear View. That's right, this is your Day 5 recap of all the hits, the misses, the highlights, the lowlights. Let's be honest, there weren't any lowlights. Were there? Well, we'll talk about that as we recap Day 5 with the uh, group that... uh, Kind of put it all together from the camera to the video to the blogs to the uh, kind of the orchestration, the logistics back um, for the fifth appearance of the week. Andrew Vavra, Director of Marketing. I'm wearing out the shotgun seat here. <laughs> We're going to have to have, have you on the podcast more often. I like the uh, the addition but uh, particularly the, the Instagram additions that uh, we've been doing throughout the, the road trip. We'll do those uh, more regularly on future editions of On the Wing podcast. And uh, back also is Logan Hinners. He was most recently on with the um, Eric Peterson episode, talking about, well, I guess most recently the preview episode. Correct. Yep. yep. And then before that was Eric Peterson, and making his uh, debut, the person behind the the video lens, um, his first rooster road trip, Aaron Blackschmidt. Welcome, and and my traveling partner the entire week. Yeah, thanks, Bob. It sure was fun rolling around with you. You listen to heavier metal music than I do. Well, that's okay. I, I have a pretty broad musical selection, <laughs> and um, I was more than happy to get down on the Green Day and the Foo Fighters and all that other <laughs> stuff, too. Uh, well, we'll throw out one um, pro tip. Foo Fighters is the band that will break a shooting slump. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it took. Food well, managers, he's been took. he's been playing Tool. He's been playing what is it, the Blue Stones? Uh, uh, what else? A lot uh, of Pearl Jam. Yeah, and I like Pearl Jam, but it just was I was it was not vibing for me. And boy, Dave Grohl just brought me back to redemption. Um, Definitely struck a chord. <laughs> he charged that last field like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> so your ability to shoot is, is so delicate that that the wrong music beforehand can just completely shatter I your ne- accuracy. I need the right walk-up song, Andrew. You know, you know me. You know my my self confidence is you know razor thin here. Well, I'm glad we figured it out. It only took us five days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a struggle, but we had a great day today. And we are going to recap the hits and the misses. But uh, Aaron, since since you are new and, and folks hopefully have been enjoying, well, not hopefully, we know they've been enjoying the videos based on the reactions on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, you brought a new vision, new angle to the Rooster Road Trip video production. No doubt the best that we've been able to offer um, our audience Tell us a little bit about you and uh, where you grew up and your your background. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, so I grew up on the West Coast. I'm from Washington State in the Cascade Mountains. I grew up in a tiny rural town just north of Wenatchee, Eniat Valley. And uh, I grew up bird hunting. My dad was, was really into it. We chased chuckers primarily, a fair amount of ducks too. But this is my first time, you know, chasing down pheasants. So that's been pretty eye-opening and fun, I'd have to say. But um, yeah, so after high school, I jumped into the, the firefighting, wildland firefighting, and I did that for almost a decade, and um, that's really where my love of photography kind of took off, carrying a camera around and capturing the highlights and the lowlights of uh, all the misadventures that my fire crew got ourselves into. Mm. And um, eventually, I had to hang up the boots, and uh, I went back to photography school, and um Ended up working for Canoe and Kayak Magazine as their photo editor and staff photographer for about seven years. And during that time, I was pretty fortunate to see kind of the, I guess you could say, the peak and the kind of the ebb of print media, mm. at least in that space. And um, that, that experience was awesome. You know, I got out on a lot of different assignments and shot a lot of different things. And uh, recently, though, my wife took a position here at the University of Minnesota. So we moved out here. And... Um, you know, I, I talked to Andrew earlier this spring and got me in for a couple of interviews and, and here I am. So I'm, I'm more than happy to be back, you know, having in this new awesome experience. It really has been fun. You, you mentioned that uh, you grew up 
hunting chuckers with your dad. And I think it was a neighbor you talked about, right? Yeah, yeah. His name was Joe. And uh, he had a couple good bird dogs. And so those were the first, like, my experience of seeing good bird dogs in action. Uh, reminded me a lot of uh, Logan's dog, Aspen. He had a big, uh, you know, golden lab like that. And, um, yeah, definitely a good bird dog. So. so this, you grew up hunting chuckers. I've never hunted chuckers. This is your first experience pheasant hunting. Compare and contrast the two for us. Well, one's flat, one's vertical. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty straightforward. <laughs> no, chuckers are a sadistic little bird. They, they make you hike all the way to the top of the mountain, and then as soon as you're in range, they'll, you know, flush up just out of range and fly all the way back down to the valley bottom. But no, it, it was fun. Um, you know, you can't tell the difference between like a male and a female chucker. So you might get more shots off. You might not. Um, they tend to hang out in coveys a little bit more. That was my experience. And, and granted, you know, I'm no expert by any means. It's been over 20 years since I hunted those birds. But, um, no, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I'd say that the cover is a lot more thick out here, you know, and pheasants will hold down and they'll run more. Hmm. Um, the cover out there, you know, just big sagebrush and cheatgrass, you know, and you can kind of see the dogs work a lot more and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, you You've done – four videos there'll be a fifth one that you're in process right now as we're mm -hmm. recording this podcast at the end of day five friday afternoon um into early evening what has been kind of your what's your favorite of the four or can you draw out any of things that you particularly liked as you were putting them together well i guess i'll just start at the beginning the first one was definitely a learning experience just because I probably tried to do too much of my typical editing style where I put together a, an assembly edit, which just has all the shots, my best, you know, takes of each shot laid out in a timeline. And then I go through again and it's a more laborious, lengthy process. But in doing so, you make sure that you don't miss any of the good clips. Mm. But I think Andrew came over that first night and he was like, yeah, but you just do this, you know, <laughs> like you know. what time did he say that? <laughs> it was probably around 1130 or something 1130 like that. At night. I, I, I yeah. saw, I saw his timeline. Just like, Whoa, that's, that's meaty, man. We, I'm telling you, we don't need that much. Like, cause it's almost unfair to him to, to put together something that robust. Mm. And I just knew that, you know, this is a marathon. And if he's going to try and do that every single day, it's almost impossible. Cause he truly is the one man band. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I made a post on her Instagram stories as like the unsung hero of Rooster Road Trip because he's doing it all. Um, and I, f I feel like we knew he'd be able to because mm -hmm. when he and I started this conversation about him joining Pheasants Forever this spring, it was definitely his background. Um, and not so much the, the, the skills as a videographer because it was apparent he had that, but it was you know the wildland firefighter and the ability to do all the water sports stuff, which I have an affinity to, but I know it comes with a lot of BS. And a lot, a lot of just kind of embrace it and grind through it and just have a positive attitude. Otherwise, you won't enjoy it. And because I always have the Rooster Road Trip in the back of my mind. <laughs> it's like, who can we spend five days in, in a truck with? You know, and you're, we're getting up at 530 in the morning. We're then working until 1 a.m. the mm -hmm. next morning. Who has the personality type to, like, make it fun? Because that, mm -hmm. that's a big deal. And I don't know. He, he just nailed it this year. Mm -hmm. What was the latest night and the earliest night of the four days that are under your belt so far? Maybe the second night, the second video. I think I actually stayed up maybe a little later. I, I can't honestly remember. You could say that it's kind of a fog at this point. Right, <laughs> right. Cause at, at, the reality is you were... You were the latest up for all of us, right? I, I think. No, actually, I think Andrew and Logan might were have later taken than you. That, yeah, taking that card. Um, they were just up doing God knows what. I don't know. Just writing, posting, quarterbacking yeah. things for the next day. Yeah. There was on a lot average, going on. though, it was one a.m. Yep, right? I'd say that's a good average. Yeah. Midnight and since one. I'm in my mid forties, I had to get a little bit more sleep, so I was in bed by twelve thirty. <laughs> 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 not by much different and then the earliest morning for sure was thursday when we traveled from, from southwest yeah. minnesota up to west central that was and that was a almost a backbreaker because we were up really late on tuesday night and then really early on wednesday morning to get you got to execute every day 
Well, the, the timing of this trip was different than in years past, and mm-hmm. that threw all of us for a loop. Um, and not necessarily, and it is because of the calendar, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, of in terms of where we went, Logan and I were talking about this because we couldn't figure out why we're still working at one a.m. when we were on time with everything. Like we like, did you figure we, it we, out? We, we did. We, we yeah. hit everything we needed to do on schedule on time, mm-hmm. and yet there he and I are. Our dogs, our dogs are passed out next to us on on our beds, mm-hmm. but we're still working away at twelve thirty, and we're just like, what's going on? Like no, nobody's just like messing around here like why are we still up and not done yet and it was all because the days are longer daylight savings and, time hasn't kicked or hasn't ended and last year we we did this trip in december so think yeah, about much the time shorter days much shorter days i mean we're you know probably out of the field at five whatever time you know five thirty, five forty-five. Oh, even earlier than that in december May, yeah, yeah yeah so i mean that's comparative to when we we're leaving the field this trip that's two hours right there minimum yep yep so it made a lot of sense in our minds at that point like Mm -hmm. uh, there's where our time went Mm -hmm. yeah and and it was great to go early season Mm -hmm. because we thought we'd get awesome weather (laughs) (laughs) we were so foolish but but that didn't even work out either so so we got none of the benefit other than the fact that we nailed it with corn coming out early Mm -hmm. in Um, southwest corn for, for listeners that are Heading out this weekend, the corn is really not coming out anywhere near as fast in West Central. There's a, in my perspective, like we talked with Jeff Davis when we were down in um, Ivanhoe. He said by Saturday, 80% of the corn is going to be out. I think it's almost the flip in West Central when we were in Alexandria, Morris, Sox Center. It appeared to me that 80% of the corn is still in. I'd agree with that. High percentage more for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Andrew, take us through today because you brought up weather. It, today was exactly opposite of what – so behind the scenes, you're the, you are the quarterback of the Rooster Road Trip. You conceptualize what the theme is going to be in conjunction with Logan who makes a, um, a visual pair to it. You come up with the logistics. You decide – who we're going to meet along the way and what the potential storylines within reason, you know, we're going to let the day take, take us where it takes us, but you got some concepts in your head. Snow on Friday morning with let's say 25 mile an hour winds. Was that the way you drew up thinking that, Hey, dead man winter's here. Let's bring the winter. What? what, I mean, every story needs a good conflict, right? So we, we couldn't end it like on, Something is way too easy, and you know, it's just walking off into the sunset with limits in our game bags, giggling as we skip through the prairie. <laughs> that that's just not the rooster road trip style. Something always happens, uh, and the snow and the and the temperatures today were were not in a long term forecast when you know I pulled out of the driveway earlier this week. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring enough warm weather clo- or clothes. I wasn't prepared for that, and I don't think anybody here was. So it definitely snuck up on us. And part of the issue there is we have five different general locations that we're going to be hunting and the forecast is slightly different as we move north so i suppose as we move north we hit the you know that that wall of cold weather brought to you by 40 mile per hour gusts mm-hmm. you know the, the couple days previously uh so when we walked out into the parking lot and it was starting to snow a little bit significant or a significant amount for that time of year it, it's not going to stick around but it's just like where is this coming from? And <laughs> oh, that's right. We don't have a scraper for the windows either. So mm. I hope this doesn't ice over. And that's you look at the forecast. It's supposed to warm up a little bit. And the back of your mind, you're like, oh, that's that's gonna be sleet. That's gonna mm. be rain. The dogs are gonna be wet and miserable. This could be interesting. But as as you well know, because you make it a point to play hooky for the first snow during the season mm. every year. It it has the the possibility of being one of the more epic hunts of the year because it just causes those birds to hold tight right now we didn't get enough snow to really get that effect right but it at least improved the scenting conditions Mm -hmm. because all that's true because all week long we've been dealing with super dry conditions and a lot of wind uh so you know we're walking over birds you Mm -hmm. know our dogs are missing birds and we still saw an incredible amount Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota is going to be on fire this fall. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was really fun, particularly across the south. Yeah, we West Central was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Southwest Minnesota was as good as in terms of bird numbers as I can ever remember. Oh yeah, it's 
it's going to be a fun fall. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be back in that area for sure. Like, there's no way I, I can ignore what we saw. Will you be back trip. there tomorrow? No, I think I'm going to sleep a bit. I'm going to see what the honeydew list is. I know I got a backyard full full of leaves to take care of. Um, so there's stuff like that. I'll let Baxter you know, take a day off before I, I ask for his <laughs> services again. He's he's had a great trip. But um, so we got to the first field today, and then the wind kicked up too. So we have the sideways snow mm-hmm. going, and nobody wanted to hang around the tailgate. So everybody hopped back in their truck, and we just waited until about five minutes before go time. It was one of those miserable days, mm-hmm. and we're all just like, oh, of course this happens on the last day. Well, well, we'll see what happens. And we chose a pretty significantly sized WPA. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. <laughs> well, I say we chose. Bob chose a significantly sized WPA. For significant reasons. <laughs> yep. Because he's hunted it several times. He has a, a lot of good history there that I'll let him touch on. Um, but these WPAs can eat you up, mm-hmm. especially when you're you're on a clock. Um, but we knew you had a plan, and it was clear uh, as we worked through this this WPA that you weren't necessarily there to hunt like hunt it normally. You had an agenda. There were there was a certain part of that WPA that you were trying to get to that nobody else knew about. But once I saw it, I was like, this is where he wanted to be. Yeah. Um, there's a far, far back corner that's lined with corn. Uh, it was still standing. But in terms of this giant complex, you really have to work to get there. So the average hunter's probably not even going to sniff it out. And once you're there, it's on a good year, it's it's a sea of beautiful grass next next to corn. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've had some pretty special moments right there. Yeah, um, I think I mentioned it in the preview podcast that um, uh, Trammel, Izzy, Eski, my three previous dogs, have all pointed their very first roosters. Now, granted, it was on opening days um, of their very first birds of their careers. And uh, Gitchy was with us this year, and Gitchy's one year old, and thought, boy, that would be awfully special way to close out Rooster Road Trip if she got her point, uh, you know, her first legit point. I didn't know that the water retrieve was going to be the highlight for her, but uh, she, you know, we got back to the corner, and uh, as as long of a walk as that was <laughs> this morning, I took you guys on like. 20% of what I normally do on that particular WPA. I did get you right to where uh, within 200 yards of all three of the dogs have pointed their first birds, which is just unbelievable coincidence. And I thought, well, it's happened three times. Why the heck not try to make it happen a fourth? And the challenge was we the, the corn was standing, which I think was a, a detriment because by the time we got there, it was probably 10 and this particular WPA had been grazed this spring, so the cover was thinner than normal. We did see some birds around the cattails. It's a great complex of you know nesting cover, brood rearing cover, and winter cover. And we probably, if we weren't on the clock trying to knock down you know content, we ca- probably could have grinded it out and found birds there. But uh, the other piece is, you know, we had Dave, we had Becca, we had Sabin Adams, uh, habitat restoration specialist and biologist, join us for the first time today. So we had a pretty good sized crew. And as this these guys know, I'm sort of a lone wolf hunter. I enjoy just walking alone and trying to navigate um, this particular spot with the size of people, I, I probably should have thought that through a little bit more and picked, picked one of my other spots, but we pulled the pin on that relatively quickly and turned around and got back to the trucks. We did see, I think two roosters and a handful of hens, handful of hens, but they were, well, Saban got a shot. Um, but he, uh, because as you mentioned, the snow was blowing sideways, Saban wasn't prepared at all. For, he wasn't even by winter. his dog. It just <clears throat> and he had an um, winter gloves on yep. that he couldn't get through um, the trigger in time. So <laughs> tells you how cold it is because Sabin's a hell of a bird hunter and a mm-hmm. great shot. So we uh, we turned hightailed it back to the trucks and I'll let, let you take us to the next spot. So was was field two Dave's last hunt? Yeah, it was a, a very small field. So. Um, I know I made a reference to the, the pendulum swinging pretty hard in an earlier podcast. Well, we swung it hard 
the opposite direction of the WPA that we just walked. We went to one of the smallest WMAs mm-hmm. you'll ever find. And we specifically chose this one because there's just a, it's a sliver of public land between uh, two private properties. And it doesn't look like much, just a little bit of grass that uh, hugs up against a, a wetland. And you have to walk that for several hundred yards. And then it starts to open up a little bit. And you basically walk these different fingers around a giant uh, you know, wetland in the back. And Sabin had hunted this previously. And he, he's like, I'll go on record. There, there will be a bird there. He, he was pretty confident in it. Mm. And he also knew that nobody else is really going to think to even try this. And it's, it's only Friday, you know, a week at, or almost a week into the mm-hmm. season. But for, from his perspective, he lives in Osakis, Minnesota. He's seen an incredible amount of pressure. Mm. Like he's also, he's already very sensitive to properties that are just getting pounded. Mm. And so now he's going to work trying to find the little chunks that people are, are ignoring. Uh, which was interesting because throughout this entire week, we haven't seen much traffic. True. There's been a couple of days where we've noticed some pickup trucks in, in areas after 5 o'clock, right. guys just going out after work. Golden and, hour near Marshall, you yeah. could tell that there was pressure. And it is midweek, so you, you'd expect that. But yeah. there's almost less people than I thought there would be considering the reports from the weekend before. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we walked that chunk, and sure enough, one rooster was there. Um, but it got up just out of range as we were approaching, um, the, the wetland, it was in the cattails and instead of flying in front of us and just going down the line, it decided just to, to buck the wind and try and make it all the way across this lake. Um, so it was, it was smart enough to survive that moment. And, uh, that, that's all we got out of that, that walk. And unfortunately it, it was, uh, Dave's last hunt for, uh, or with us during the trip. He was great to have along. Um, I loved hunting with Herbeck, his, his mixed breed bird dog, because it actually reminded me of, of how I got into upland hunting. Uh, as, a, as a kid, my dad always wanted a hunting dog, but you know, three kids and dogs are expensive. So we always kind of had a rescue of some sort. And finally we rescued something that had a little bit of lab in it. And so he just tried to make a bird dog out of that. And it never really worked. You couldn't trust it out the check cord. And I swear that check cord flushed more birds than the dog. Mm. But actually seeing his mixed breed, mm-hmm. like hunting and, and like getting after it, that that was that was pretty special. So it was, it was great to have him along. And he's he's such an, an advocate for our organization. And he's so authentically into conservation and, and upland hunting. It's it's a real treat to, to view, you know, I'll call him an adult onset hunter for lack of a better term, but to really see um, the spark come alive in someone like that, mm-hmm. that that's really, it's really unique. And it's also kind of intoxicating because it, it brings you back and forces you to like kind of reevaluate how you're looking at the world around you. Yeah. Um, it forces you not to take things for granted. You know, on that walk, there was a hillside where uh, uh, Becca and Saban both kind of slowed down. They're just like looking at their feet and kicking rocks a little bit. And Becca kind of came to the conclusion that she's like, I, th- I think this is like legitimate native prairie hmm. in, in terms of this is remnant prairie. And you don't see that a lot. She's like, well, see these little rocks, like there's moss on them. And if you're in the Dakotas, that's not a, a huge deal. There, sure. There's lots of remnant prairie out West, but in Minnesota, especially in the area we were, right. it's pretty rare. Right. And it was on top of a hillside and it was noticeably different than all the other grass and all the other um, you know, grass species, the cattails, like this little hill was almost glowing. Hmm. It was just totally different. And so to, to watch, you know, Dave then spark up this conversation with Becca about like what we're all staring at and like, you know, what that means for the ecosystem and stuff like that. It just kind of forces you to, man, I, I need to slow down. It, it's not all about just like making sure my dog's working in front <laughs> yeah. of me. Right. That's, it, it's pretty special to, to share time in the field with some of the people that we're able to during the road trip. Yeah. Yeah. If folks, for whatever reason, skipped right to episode five, you gotta go back and listen to Becca and Dave, Dave asking Becca questions about just habitat and ecosystems and, and how wildlife and everything all functions and works together. You and I kind of just sat back for a lot and listened to them. And it was a terrific episode. Oh, I, I loved it because he's asking a lot of the same questions that, that everybody has. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we, we kind of 
we get stuck in our own little bubble and we forget that we take things for granted in terms of knowledge right. sometimes. Uh, so it's great to have someone there that can ask, I don't want to call them simple questions, but questions from a different viewpoint. Right. Um, not from the viewpoint of a Pheasants Forever employee. It, what I've really enjoyed, you know, like, it feels weird to use the term mentoring with Dave. Like, Dave and I have become hunting partners, friends through hunting, right? Like, um, Billy and I, who I do the radio show with um, in Twin Cities, originally took Dave out and we we've done that a couple times and then I've taken Dave a couple times grouse hunting and just each time it's I feel like I'm a member of his band in a way because he and I can look at each other and he's looking at me for a cue on where to walk and I can kind of give him a silent we, we have a silent communication that hunters who have spent a fair amount of time in the field together know intimately like okay you're gonna walk around that way i'm gonna walk around that way and i've seen that develop in him like he look at me and just go you know do a little head nod that way or a finger poke that way and he does exactly what i would anticipate a long time hunter doing and and it's cool to see that evolution and you can i mean you hear him talking about bird hunting and how enthusiastic it is and Again, listen to the last episode to hear Herbeck's whole story, you know, because that's just awesome to be so interested in bird hunting that you take this adopted pup that you he get, got from the, the, the pound and take him to Tom Dock and one of the world's best, right, bird dog trainers, and out pops a bird dog, which... May not happen every time, but it's really special that it's happened for Dave. Well, it's just showing that you can make do with what you have. Yeah. Uh, we all know the stories of people that don't have dogs, or um, not everybody is going to be as into it as we are, but there's still no excuse to go give it a try, and mm -hmm. maybe you'll get as addicted as Dave and, and mm -hmm. really go for it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's a good reminder in a lot of different ways, hunting with people like that. Um, but after that walk, the band broke up. And I'll have to, after you talk about the next field, remind me, because I did have a text interchange with, with Dave after the last field. Oh, yeah? That's, uh, that's pretty comical, so remind me. But I, I can't, I'm teasing it now, but we, we'll come back to it. Okay. Um, so, so after that field, Saban uh, basically decided it was, it was time to, to blow out of town. The whole morning kind of had that vibe where this isn't going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Not that it ever is easy, but you kind of get that feeling like we're not finding the birds we think we should. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of you know reset things and let's just go try a totally different area. I think we drove about maybe 20, 30 miles away from mm -hmm. where we were. Um, so we weren't just looking at the GPS trying to find the next spot over. It's like, no, let's, let's change things up. And we, we shifted from a WPA to a WMA mm -hmm. and it was one of those fields where you pulled up and anybody driving past will, will identify it kind of like what Jeff Davis said in, in uh, episode three of the, the Rooster Road Trip recaps. It's, it looks good from the road. Mm -hmm. And so that got our, our, our engines running for sure. So much so that the neighbor came over and was like, there's a lot of birds in there right now. <laughs> yeah, we, we attract a lot of attention, uh, good and bad when we're on the road. So so when the, the car pulled up and we're parked kind of on different uh, portions of the field and I was with, with Saban and, and Logan, Saban kind of looks at me and goes, yeah, that's the neighbor. I wonder what he's up to. And I'm like, oh, God, like, if, are we going to catch some, some flack? What's going on here? And then I thought I saw you loading your dog back up. And I was like, oh, no, like, what's what, what was this going on? And to hear you come over and say, no, you said they're piling in here. It's just like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I had just loaded my dog up because we, it was pretty busy street and he wanted to chat. So I would chatted with him and I got great intel that, there were birds in there, and there were roosters. And behind his house, the John Deere combine was hard at work too, which probably didn't hurt us. No, so everything came came together in this field. It it didn't take long for us to get into a mess of birds and for for the chaos to to erupt into a multiple bird flush. Mm -hmm. um, and that felt really good because. <laughs> We, we earned it today. Mm -hmm. um, not every day is, is going to end on such a high note, but we probably had 
three birds down uh, within the first 100, 150 yards of that walk, maybe? It was a little farther, but it was it was real quick. It was for sure the fifteen first 15 minutes, Logan, yeah, you think? Yeah. And, well, I guess the first shot was Sabin's. Yep. And there were three, like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, Sabin's shot created that ripple effect through – um, like a low-lying cattail finger that kind of extended out into the, this grassland, and they were all down in that. Yep. And so once he shot, another one got up, and that maybe made some of the other birds nervous, and they just kind of like onesies and twosies just kind of erupted, and then everybody starts walking really fast mm-hmm. that direction, and then you get in the middle of it and stop. And uh, I think Logan was the one who shot the second bird. Yep. And so was your dog in front of you? or? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I mean – there was a ton of scent in there. <laughs> Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, we had six hunters in the field. Um, I think it was and six hunters, and then Aaron and carrying Aaron, the camera, yeah. and yep. six bird dogs. So there was there's a lot of lot going on there. But in everybody a mix was of flushers and pointers right, too. Yeah, which that's maybe one of my highlights of the trip. I'll talk about later. But um, you know, it was just super cool. Like you know, to have a bigger group and that many dogs. I mean, that can turn into pure chaos. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it kind of did, but it was controlled and. Uh, the dogs did really good. They were all birdie. You know, there's birds flushing all kinds of directions. It was just one of those fun, exciting um, moments. You know, it's it's kind of what we live for. And um, had a rooster, you know, flush in front of me. It, it was getting a little ways out. I'm kind of surprised myself that I actually hit it and knocked it I down. I was surprised you knocked it yeah. down too. Yeah. You know, I thought I had a pretty good mark on it, but I was kind of down on those cattails. So I kind of lost sight of where it actually hit i just kind of had a a direct line and um so i I was pushing forward pretty fast because i was i've had some issues with that this week um getting birds knocked down and and found um so yeah that was my main concern at that point was to to get that bird recovered and i was pushing through i think you know whether i bumped it or a dog bumped it i don't know a bird got up must have been to my right it was right between you and i so I, i was hunting Within 20 yards of him, we're pretty close together in the same group of cattails, and a bird got up right in between us, Mm -hmm. and it went straight up, and he's, like, kind of moving forward, and I see it, and so I'm a left-handed shooter, and he's to my my left, so my barrel's kind of out and to the right a little bit, and I swing directly over my head, and I don't even have it mounted yet, and I look down at him, and I'm just waiting for this bird to, like, clear Logan so I can take basically almost a vertical shot. Hmm. Um, so it wasn't over him, but I didn't want to like swing over him. You know what I mean? Right. And so I, I knocked that one down and it almost like came down within 10 feet of him. Yeah. And, and he, thankfully I, that <laughs> one came down dead because we still had Logan's bird that yeah, it was hit. Well, but well it was he, he, thought, he thought that was his bird. Yeah, he oh, shoot, really? He shoots. And I like, I never even heard that bird, never saw it. And he shoots, and I, I turn, I'm like, I'm like spinning, looking around, like I never even see the bird. Oh. And I guess when I turned and was looking over my right shoulder, the bird like fell over my head and landed like right on the line I was going to mm. to get my bird. Um, and it fell and hit right on the edge of the cattail. So I proceeded forward, still had no idea that he had just knocked a bird I out. didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So, I saw you guys talking, and I was up where I... I was a little higher vantage a, point, yep. which never happens for me. <laughs> but I was at a higher vantage point. I knew where your bird had come down, and that's why I brought my dog over right. to that. Yeah, and so when I stepped out of the cattails, I he, I heard him say, did you get that bird? And I'm like, yeah, he's right here. And I thought it was the bird I hit. Gotcha. Um, and he's like, no, that's the one I just shot. And he's and like, the, you just shot a bird? <laughs> I, said, I heard you shoot, but I didn't – yeah, I never even saw a bird. Huh. Um, so it was – part of the chaos that that ensued but then yeah i, I was like well well that's great you know Here, here's your bird but i know there's <laughs> i hit i know i watched mine drop um and thankfully you had a better vantage point than me to to get a good mark on that and um that's where you brought esky over and she kind of took over from there yeah so it, it, a lot of credit to her for tracking that one down and, and it's it's one of those things where a good tip for bird hunters out there you can bring your dog to where that bird landed and then shut up because it, so often I, 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 you know, people are like, you know, hunt dead right here, right here. And they just keep pounding the same place. It's like the bird's not there anymore. You know, like get your dog to that area if it didn't see it and then just shut up and let your, your dog use the nose. 
because Eski went, I don't know, maybe 80 yards in front and then swung to the left. And then we saw her like hopping like what I perceive when she's hopping like that and running. It's like that's her chasing a rabbit sort of look. But that was a good sign because that's when I knew like, oh, I think she might actually be on this one because she's in chase mode. And then I think you said, well, she's locked up now. Right? Didn't you? See no, her? I, I saw her with it. So she. Oh, you you she, saw her yep, have it by that time. Everybody was kind of keying in and standing where we thought it dropped, and then there's a lot of dog activity way behind. And then I, I saw a dog lock up. I don't know if it was Baxter Baxter or some of Saban's dogs. Gotcha. And so as everyone's like milling around there, like greedy Andrews, like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wander over here real quick and see what's going on with these dogs. Um, and that's when I saw. Esky with it, okay, because uh, she she did about an eighty yard counterclockwise circle around everybody, and so that that bird ran backwards in terms it ran of a, out front, turned to the left, and then, and then started ran running right backwards. through us again. So mm-hmm. like that's incredible in terms of people's natural inclination is to keep moving forward. Well, it must be like running, right? You know the direction we were moving. It's like no, this this bird completely outflanked us and fast, and really yeah, like, quickly. And we, it wasn't that long before you were on that spot. I mean, then that bird had covered a lot of ground in yep. no time. Yeah. So just the tip is let your dog work. I mean, I've seen that over and over because, you know, unfortunately over time, you end up breaking a lot of wings when you're particularly pheasant hunting. And uh, a dog that can hunt cripples is just a, a gold piece to have in your pocket. And, mm-hmm. That, so that was <clears throat> that was a really fun, proud moment. That, that, and at, now we have three birds in the bag, and yep. and uh, we're feeling like we well, got well, you we had, got what we need. You were then, you know, marching down the field, humming Foo Fighters, apparently, because <laughs> um, you had your proud moment of being proud of Esky, and you know, a couple of days before you're proud of Gitchy, yeah. and now your dogs are like, let's be proud of Bob, <laughs> um, because you you finally <laughs> got the monkey off your back, and, yeah. and the rest of that walk. Yeah, it, so I, I I I've obviously gotten a few birds on this trip. Tuesday I had a good day, but uh, well, I missed a lot on my way to two on on Tuesday and I've missed some shots that I just can't tell you why I missed or how I missed but finally um for whatever reason I was calm and not in my head at all today and bird got up to my um flush from left to right kind of it wasn't pointed or anything unfortunately I like shooting pointed birds but got up randomly and one shot and it was down and it was kind of like well Geez, that was easy. Wonder what's been wrong the whole time. <laughs> and it wasn't probably another hundred yards after that. Um, another bird got up randomly. I missed the first shot and dropped it with the second shot. So, in the span of, I don't know, what do you think, Aaron? You were right next to me, hundred no, yards. It was yeah, one right after the other. It seemed to me because it took us a while to get the the first bird that you got right. Um, you know, we got some good images of, of Esky with the bird in her mouth and, and all that. And that's kind of how I remember this stuff is like, what was I seeing at the time? Mm-hmm. You know, what I actually saw before you dropped that bird is you came over to me and you're like, Aaron, I got something to show you. And you're like, come here closer. And I'm recording with the oh. camera and you pull up in your jacket and you got your trampled by pheasant sweater on. And, um, you were definitely feeling good, and I think that that confidence. You know, I, I don't know what it was. You know, yeah, Foo was, Fighters just, or what? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dave Grohl, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but um, but then yeah, you got those two birds, one right after the other. Yeah. And uh, no, that was that was cool to see. And you know, we we walked a little bit, and this is a giant area. And again, I mentioned Andrew's the quarterback of the Rooster Road Trip, and Andrew saw that I kind of had the eye of the tiger back <laughs> and I was ready for a big walk and I think others were too because it it had turned into a pretty nice day it was sunny it was still windy but probably 45 degrees and I was ready to keep hunting <laughs> oh, it, people, people were jacked up uh, but every once in a while I need to be the wet towel yeah and just kind of bring people back to reality reminding you know people that we we have things we have we, a lot of content to, to produce today. Uh, so being able to take five birds out of that field yeah. felt fantastic. Um, it, 
it was such a large area that we could have just gotten lost, yep. you know, for the rest of the afternoon without even thinking about it pretty easily because the the energy in the stoke was high. Yeah. Um. So, and and what didn't help was that the group kind of split up and there was a a little irrigate irrig- mm-hmm. irrigation ditch between us and. Becca, Logan, and I were on one side, and everybody else was on the other. And you guys are already way up ahead on top of this hill. Mm-hmm. And we had to backtrack all the way across, mm-hmm. or all the way back, and then to cross this irrigation ditch. So by the time we got up to the top of this hill, you guys had already been milling around for, for a little while. And I crested this hill, and all of a sudden, Saban kind of takes off down it because his dog is on. Gilligan, by the way. Yeah, is, is on rock-solid point. Mm-hmm. And apparently it had been on point for several minutes already and everybody was just kind of like watching it i don't know if he was just kind of letting the dog smoke the pipe a little bit and just just no i called him into it i was like saban are you gonna walk down there (laughs) so that's what happened so he had no idea we were waiting for you guys no he he knew he was watching the dog okay and you know but we were kind of watching we're like yeah she's on a rock solid point i kind of called him into it i was like I'm right here with the camera. Go walk down there. Let's see what happens. And it was a good, you know, a couple hundred feet away mm-hmm. down, you know, into some lower ground. And sure enough, he walked down there and, you know, busted up a hen. And the dog stayed down. And another hen. Mm-hmm. And another hen. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, we were like, there's more birds in this field. Oh, everybody's just kind of like getting that wild look in their eyes. Like, oh, we, we should we should, we should keep going. And uh, I had to be the one to <laughs> yeah. say, you know what? We're pulling the plug. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to cut across this field. The truck's are already way over there. We, we got to do it. Um, but Which was a, the right but, call because we want to get we want to get this message out to folks, particularly since uh, South Dakota opens tomorrow. And hopefully some of you that are heading west or maybe you're just going um, uh, to Minnesota second weekend. We want to get this uh, on the airwaves and hopefully um, get you jacked up about what's coming. We we left some we left some behind for you. How yeah. about that? And you know what's really neat about that particular property? It's a giant wetland that Pheasants Forever helped make public WMA last year, and it's near Osakis. We're not going to put a pin dot on it, but it's near Osakis, and it's going to get expanded. What did Saban say? Another. Well, he, he's he's working on it. Let's, yeah, it's not a done deal, it, but, but it's it's a couple it's, hundred additional well, acres. That was the, the special part of hunting this property. Is it's something that Saban had personally been working on, and he's actively working on more in that area to create this this giant complex. Um, so to be able to spend time afield with someone who like is actually putting in the work, and then to be able to have the fun with him there, like. That's yeah. that's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot this trip. Uh, the people that we've we've been hunting with this entire week, whether it uh, you know is Joe Dugan on, on Monday, yep. um, you know Tuesday, then then Megan uh, Howell joined joined the crew with right. you know her knowledge of, of walking areas and, and Tanner Bruce and the chap uh, the chapter leader Jeff Davis. They all have so much Matt knowledge. Christensen. Matt Christensen was along for the entire ride until last night, and then we met up with with Becca yesterday, and she hunted with us today. And she is such an incredible wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Um. I just, I kind of felt like Dave a little bit in terms of here are people that are way above my grade. Mm-hmm. I just have questions. Like I, I just, I want to just pester them with dumb little questions because because they know way more than I do. And just listening to Saban and Becca carry on about what they're seeing as they're walking through the field. And I'm like looking around and it's just like, I got a long ways to go. And I do want to get there because I do think ultimately it'll make me a better hunter. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So it's it's been a very special <clears throat> week for sure. All right. It has been a special week. Let's do um, highlights and lowlights. Uh, we can go around the horn as we close out Rooster Road Trip 2020. We'll start with the new guy. Highlights and lowlights. This is your first ever Rooster Road Trip, Aaron. What's um, um, and it doesn't have to be a lowlight, but funny story, whatever, whatever comes to mind. I'd say. Um... Well, I mean, so yeah, if we're starting with the lowlights, I think just like the, the grind is, is tough. You know, it's, it's hard to, to be on the road in travel status, getting up super early, hunting and filming all day long. And, you know, and then ex- being, being expected to crank out edits and photo galleries and podcasts every single night. So, 
you know, that's, that's just tough, but you just go, you know, going into it, you know, it's short term, you know, and people really dig it. The audience is really looking forward to it, you know, so give the people what they want. Right. (laughs) And, um, and, and that's all just part of the experience. You know, I love experiences. That's why I do what I do. I love seeing the light come up on a new stretch of land every mm. single day. I love seeing, um, you know, just people get excited about what they're into. And in this case, it's bird hunting. You know, it's been a while since I've been in that world. And so it's been nice to kind of like see it with fresh eyes, right. I guess. And, uh, you know, and yeah, some of the highlights are, are just that, you know, like that Tuesday night when we were out there at that big piece of property and we were pushing up, Mm. um, you know, into the wind and we had already set the shuttle on our rigs. So I knew it was going to be kind of a walk, but that's great because you kind of know where you're going at the end of the day. And the, the golden light was just spectacular, you know, and that's the kind of thing that gets a, a visual artist, you know, really excited, no matter if you're getting birds or not, you know, and then we get up on that rise and there's like, poof, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. all these birds start going up and, um, I'm trying to get shots, you know, you know, right off the hip, you know, swing it up, hit record, <laughs> try to get the, the action happening. And, um, you know, I'm talking to Logan and we're talking about the angles and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, it was just, uh, it was just a blast, you know? And then by the end of the day, you're just like, you're super stoked and, you know, like it, and it comes through, I think in the content, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't know, you just feel, you just feel really good about it. And, um, even in on the days like that, there wasn't as many birds, like on that really windy day, you know, you just are still out there feeling like the power of nature, Yeah. you know, to sound a little cliche, but I mean, it's, it's real, you know, and like, you just feel like, yeah, I'm not sitting in Starbucks right now. <laughs> you know, this is like legit. Here's a little song you maybe heard of. All we are is dust in the wind, Aaron. <laughs> wow. That's, 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 that's deep. Bob. That's real deep. <laughs> Logan. Lowlights, yeah. highlights. This has got to be. You've been on at least half the rooster road trips at this point. Yeah, huh? I'm trying to think. Probably more than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's six, seven now. I think. Yeah, I'll have to actually go back and look. Um, they they kind of blur together. Um, and that's partly induced to the the grind, as Aaron alluded to. But you know, they're they're a lot of fun. I enjoy it. It's a nice change of pace from the day to day. Um, and and I guess I'll start with the highlights. It kind of ties into that and. Uh, you know, that's, that's just to get in the field with colleagues and, um, to see the passion that this organization has for the work we're doing and and the work they're doing along with our volunteers, you know, like Jeff Davis, a great example to be around that is just, you know, it's hard to explain, but it's infectious and it, it kind of ignites you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just super cool to, to, to be able to step out and kind of see the fruits of the labor, so to speak, and, and all the hard work those folks are doing on the landscape and the impact it's having. So that that's probably my highlight of the trip. Um, low light is, is uh, just oversight on my part. You know, I didn't, it's a good thing I live more behind the lens than in, in front of the lens or people would be asking why I never changed out of the same orange hoodie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't pack right for the trip at all. So oh. that's, that's my low light. Um, it is remarkable because I looked at the same weather forecast you did, and I was expecting the lows to be 45 and sunny, mm-hmm. you know, pretty pretty balmy from a bird hunting perspective, right. <clears throat> you know, and highs in the mid-60s, pretty darn good weather when we looked a week out. Yep. It was and not the case. was not at all. Wednesday, with, Thursday, Friday. With the wind and the, the precipitation, you know, whether it be the snow or the, the sleet, rain that we got, mm-hmm. it was it was damp and cold. Yeah. And you, that wind cut through you. And the unfortunate part is, like, I have all the gear. It was just oversight. And yeah. um, I was fine. But, you know, it's just one of those things. You have it, bring it. You yeah. just never know that weather can change in a hurry. So. Andrew, the only person who's been on every single rooster road trip, what stands out to you about 2020 Responsible Recreation Edition? I think Logan did a very good job uh, saying his highlight. Uh, I'll echo that, so I'll, I'll come up with a, a different highlight. Um, but uh, In um, terms of hunting with all the, all the colleagues. Coll- and, and, yeah. and Becca and Megan and Matt and, and Jeff and Joe and Sabin, Tanner. Tan- yeah. I mean, they brought so much to this particular um, year. It well, was we, we, really... can't, we can't do it without them, yeah. and I, I, I mean that. Like, w- the Rooster Road Trip does not exist 
a without the work that they do to help create these public places or restore these public places and make them better for not only the wildlife but the hunters who want to go use them but we're flying in blind most of the case no mm-hmm. this year was different because we're in minnesota so we had a, a couple places in our back pocket if we needed mm-hmm. but that's not what we wanted to do we wanted to see what they accomplished mm-hmm. and what they wanted to talk about um so it's it's not possible without them yeah so i'll i'll come up with a different highlight but the the low light has to be like it's nobody can argue with me on this the american wi-fi <laughs> we we say there. Okay, you got to you got to specify the American, what American hotel, the, the, the American hotel <laughs> Wi-Fi. We we stayed at the American uh, different locations. Well, there goes that sponsorship se- se- several times, and it's like they put a governor on the thing. You could barely send an email with it, and when you're when you're trying to. Like actually upload semi live content online, yeah, <laughs> and you you can't even send an email. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. So then we're trying to use our phone as as hotspots, and that's ten times faster than like the Wi Fi provided by the hotel. Yeah, it's maddening, and that causes us to change our game plan because then we're leaving even earlier the next morning so that we can find a coffee shop to upload these large video files and podcasts and all that. And it, it alters the day. And when you're going to bed at 1 a.m., yeah. having to get up another 45 minutes earlier than you wanted to, it's, oh. Because I, I, the, the whole <laughs> week sort of blends together for me at the moment. But we stayed in a, a extremely modest hotel in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Super it. It's just a super it, yeah. And their Wi-Fi was, it was great. awesome. And American, which is a really nice hotel relative to Super 8, and you pay more for it, had just piss poor Wi-Fi. So it's it's hard to do a semi-live online event without the internet. Yeah. And we've we've struggled with this in a variety of ways. But for some reason, this year is even more irritating than you know the year we were in Montana camping. And we didn't even have cell service like that. We still managed to figure out in a, in a little less frustrating way than, than this. Yeah. Um, so that's just my, that's me. That's, that's something that kind of ground my gears. In yeah. Sure. But in terms of uh, highlight, personally, I have to, I have to talk about Baxter. I, I have to, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm around a lot of really good dogs a lot of the time. That's a blessing and a curse because it makes me want that too out of my dog. Mm. And working with you know, a dog I didn't raise from a puppy and mm. we're trying to figure it out together and he's my first pointing dog. I mean, last year it was rough. Um, like I was going into this year just thinking, man, I really need something to come together or this is going to be a long relationship. <laughs> um, and that's probably me just not giving him a fair chance because he just needs more, more, more time in the field. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so last year I felt like he was almost a liability. Like he was almost kind of slowing down the group at times. He did okay here and there, but I wasn't enjoying the hunt because I was more worried about where he was, what he was doing. Was he messing anything up? Was he even within a hundred yards? Mm-hmm. Um, this year we were, we were joking last night. It's like, we got to give the little bugger the spirit of the hunt award. He's, he's, <laughs> you know, the, the, the wiggly little dog. He's, he's starting. He's like, he turned it on a, a couple different times. Uh, going into this week, I'd never seen him point a pheasant yeah. ever. And the first field we walk, I, I saw that happen. Yeah. And I also saw him, you know, inadvertently flush, but he flushed a rooster and I shot that rooster. And then he went and he pointed dead that rooster. Hmm. And that's something we didn't accomplish together once an entire season last year mm. and that happened on the very first day um and then just to see him like hunt better in terms of he's more responsive in terms of i'm not just going to go hang out on the very very far end of the line the entire time and will make you go on a nature walk forever like mm-hmm. he was actually checking in here and there and i'm sure a lot of that had to do with the fact that i've never said the term good boy more in my entire life <laughs> because he, he's super soft uh-huh. and he doesn't respond to any sort of like hmm. like reinforcement. like yeah you have to be super positive with him because mm-hmm. he just doesn't have like a ton of confidence i think 
And so every time he came back and like was working in front of me, like I'm just a broken record in the field, walking through the field, like good boy, yeah, good boy, Baxter. Let's go find the bird, you know. But it it's working. Yeah. Um, and I do have to give my wife credit there because she's like, you got, you got to like, he is kind of a baby, but you got to be like overly positive with him. Mm. He wants to do good. He just has to know when he's doing good because he's not going to learn from you telling him when he's doing something bad. Mm. Like that's not how this dog is going to work. Um, and so that's actually been really good for me as an owner to get out of my own head as you know the previous lab owner that the thing came out of the box pre-programmed to do everything great. Right. Um, so it's been an evolution and this hunt has been fantastic for us. Mm-hmm. Like I'm now super excited to, to get back into it for the rest of this fall and continue this, this evolution and, and growing together because He's got a lot of potential, and I just kind of need to get out of the way and just keep yelling good boy as we walk down the field. <laughs> he, he has come a long ways. It's, you did melt down a couple times last year. Oh, yeah, for it, sure. When, I can remember a particular field, and I'm, I don't know. I think it was in Nebraska. It was the kosher field, wherever that was. No, Well, I was thinking of a different time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 there several where, times. Where, where Baxter would a- end up working behind you. Like way behind us. And, yeah, it'd circle behind. And who knows, you know, whether it was on a bird bird scent or a deer or what. But, you know, he he worked behind and you just like, ah, you guys go, just keep going. I got to find my dog. And we've all been there at certain levels. This year, that never happened. Baxter has taken a huge leap forward not only being responsive to you, but like just kind of being in front, quartering back and forth, um, using his nose. And yeah, he's, he's finding birds. Yeah. Like, and that's changed even some of my reactions to like where he goes. So you end the, this podcast with always follow the dog. Mm. Last year, I didn't have confidence to follow the dog. Mm. I assumed like I didn't see it. So I didn't believe that him suddenly taking the left and going 150 yards behind us was because he was on a bird. Mm-hmm. It was because he was just independent and like on a little walkabout. <laughs> now, if he decides to, if I see like that kind of, he's veering off, I'm going to follow that bird dog. Yeah. And that's a huge change um, in, in our owner dog relationship. And that's awesome. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm super jacked for the rest of this fall. Well, there, there are a lot of great things that happened um, over the course of the week. Um, everybody that's joined and become a member, thank you. All the sponsors who have signed up, thanks to all of you. Um, you know, we, we've mentioned our colleagues that we work with, the volunteers that have been a part of the trip. You know, Joe Dugan, who, a uh, shout out to him. Um, thanks for, you know, back in the day. 2002 hiring me you know and and i it it meant a lot to kind of spend a field hunting with joe that the field was named in honor of him Um, there are just so many positive highlights um hunting with matt christensen his wife aaron uh, his little boy jake and daughter avery um you know that's something Probably won't be the last time we hunt with a family and youngsters on Rooster Road Trip. That was a, a neat experience. It, 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 <laughs> that that was one of my funnier moments too, because we, it, you, we wanted Esky out with them because uh, of the dogs that potentially could point. Esky maybe gave us the best chance. <laughs> so if you see those photos, it's Aaron, his wife, his kids, and then crazy uncle Bob <laughs> walking the field with them, which was, which was really fun because I got a chance to have some really neat conversations with, with Matt's youngsters. Uh, but if anybody's watched the video from day four, you undoubtedly know what my highlight was because I was pretty excited to see my little girl Gitchy um, retrieve uh, a blind retrieve in the water and she's not done anything like that before and kind of opened my eyes to you know that that's not me I didn't train her to be that good that's just their her instincts and there's just you know it relates back to, to her back you know, and has 
those dogs just have so much in them. Um, which reminds me, I wanted to, <laughs> to mention the, the text messages with Dave. So as we mentioned, Dave left after field two today. And then we got into Bird Valhalla, Pheasant Valhalla in, in, in field three. And of course, when you're friends with somebody, you got to rub it in a little bit. Like, dude, you left too early. And he's like, you got into the roosters? And said, yeah, we, we got five in like 30 minutes. And he, said, he replied back, well, once Herb, Herbeck left, uh, the roosters probably all figured they were safe. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> that, that's the perfect reply. Which, that's great. Which to me is the perfect way to, to end the episode, too. <laughs> that's great. Roosters look out. Dave Simonette is hungry to be out there in the field. He doesn't have a lot of concerts, and his uh, his new bird dog, Herbeck, is, uh, has got bird scent in his nose. Uh before we before we call a close, we'll we'll once again thank Federal Premium Ammunition, supplying all the shotgun shells for this trip, and being the official ammunition sponsor of a Rooster Road Trip. Also, thanks to Apple Autos for supplying the Ford F one hundred and fifty Rooster Road Trip truck. Browning, uh, the official apparel and shotgun sponsor of Rooster Road Trip and uh, sponsor of the membership premiums that uh, Andrew will tell you about in a minute. Uh, Ruffling Kennels, the official dog kennel of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Sound Gear and our buddy Lance Kramer, uh, the official hearing protection of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever and Rooster Road Trip and Garmin, another one of our good friends, Rehan Nana at the Garmin Company supplying um, the e-collars and just a whole suite of electronic products from e-collars to the new Alpha 200i, the smartwatches, um, downloadable maps that fit into or that are connected to the to the Alpha. Um, thank you very much, Garmin, for for once again being a Rooster Road Trip sponsor. And then um, hashtag Responsible Recreation. Please take the pledge at responsible recreation.org and finally this is your your final uh, alert for the unique member push related to rooster road trip comes with Andrew's shotgun which barely ever missed on this trip I brought down eight birds this trip I'm just gonna throw that out <laughs> who there. was counting I was. Oh, you were. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's more just saying how great that gun is. <laughs> so you uh, should definitely go to roosterroadtrip.org. Uh, join, renew, or extend your membership. You'll automatically get a Browning Prism 3 knife with, a, with an orange handle. It's a great everyday carry knife. And then you'll be automatically entered to win the Browning 12-gauge Satori that I've been carting around all week. And it's it's such a great gun. Um Whoever gets it will thoroughly enjoy it. But I will say, if you are listening to this, you have until the end of day on October 19th to get in because quantities are limited. Mm -hmm. So don't delay. If you want to get it on it, by the end of the day, October 19th, that offer will disappear. So hopefully you're listening to this episode en route to your favorite pheasant habitat somewhere in the United States, which includes the South Dakota opener coming up here. Um, Minnesota's open. Montana's open. North Dakota's open. Uh, pull out that smartphone. Jump on your laptop. Go to roosterroadtrip.org and sign up for the special membership. Even if you're currently a member and your membership doesn't expire until next April. I'll remind you, every single banquet this spring was canceled, affecting 20,000 members. And we need you to join the organization. Even if your membership's good until April, if you sign up through this particular offer, we'll tack on an entire full year. So you'll be good through April of 21. Um, So please sign up at roosterroadtrip.org. Aaron? Andrew, Logan, great job this week. 
Um, hopefully, our our followers out there enjoyed it as much as we do. It was a grind, but it was a hell of a good experience. And there's a lot to be proud of in the state of Minnesota for public lands. In particular, I'll say it again, what the Legacy Amendment is doing for public lands and habitat in the wildlife response is something every Minnesotan should be proud of. All right, folks, thanks for listening to the 2020 version of Rooster Road Trip. We'll be back next year, and we invite you to ride along shotgun. We'll uh, unveil where, when. Well, we'll wait. We'll make you wait for it till next fall. But until then, there's a lot of public land out there, and there are a hell of a lot of birds this year. Get out there and enjoy it. I'm Bob St. Pierre saying... Always follow the dog. Something good will rise. Thanks for listening.